Hello and welcome back to Glaswegian Geeks. If you've forgotten who I am, I'm James. And you probably have forgotten who I am because there's been no recent podcasts with me actually in them. Because I've now residing in Birmingham. And, well, it's time to get back in the saddle, I think. And today I've brought you an absolute treat, I think, in the form of a Sandman short film. And today I'm not joined by Mario, Chris or Matt, which really breaks my heart because I miss them so much. And it's really hard not to be in Glasgow with and do this without them. But nonetheless, I shall persevere for the arts. And today I'm joined by Cameron, who is not Glaswegian. So... Yeah, take it for there, Cameron. Yeah, uh, I am not Glaswegian in any formal sense of the word. You can probably tell by how I talk differently to, compared to James and the rest. Fucking Londoner. Yeah, fucking Londoner I am. <laughs> uh, I consider myself a London loser compared to their Glaswegian geeks due to me just not being as cool. <laughs> Are you calling us losers? Uh, well, no. Quite the opposite. Oh, we're yeah. gods, basically. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I've, we've, we've, we, we, we studied together at uni, and you showed me this incredible short film based on God himself, Neil Gaiman's Sandman comics. Yeah. Do you want to tell us a bit more about <laughs> it? Uh, well, it's called The 24-Hour Diner, based on the Sandman issue 6 name with the same name, The 24-Hour Diner. Uh, and it takes place in... The Sandman universe is basically uh, where the gods of basically they're known as the Endless, and they are the gods above the gods of the DC universe. <laughs> they are the ideas that that are given personifications. So they they actually exist in the DC universe, but not at the same time. They they have the same canon as Lucifer. Though I'm not sure the TV show because that seems. That seems separated. Yeah, that at the seems moment. a bit disjointed from elsewhere. Yeah. Oh, Lucifer, my boy. <laughs> Oof. Oh, gets me hot and bothered. You're Tommy at this. I love him so much. Everyone loves him so much. <laughs> uh, yeah, so the short film was created by uh, two people, one known as Evan Henderson and another known as Nicholas Brown. It was made in Toronto, Canada. And I don't know much about like the actual making of the film and how they done it or why i just think it's fan appreciation i did hear that it might be from a student project that they did together or something but i'm not 100 percent sure that's true so yeah <laughs> so yeah that's where we find ourselves let's take a trip to the 24 hour diner with me and cameron oh uh you're newly minted <laughs> as one of the resident geeks now Oh, yay. Yeah, but oh. you're not Glaswegian, so we'll have to think think of something else. Yeah. I'm not rebranding the whole thing for you, Cameron, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> so, the, the, for anyone who doesn't know who the Sandman is, how would you describe Sandman to them? Um, <laughs> well, aesthetically, he's, he's, he's an emo. He's, his whole colour scheme is black and white, with the only white thing being his skin. Not a race thing, as in he's pale as a sheet of paper, but <laughs> yeah, literally his eyes are completely dark, his hair is completely dark, including eyebrows, his clothes are completely dark, and most of the time he wears a gas mask, which is completely dark. Um, but that's his visual aesthetic. Apart from that, his personality is, is, at the beginning, it's kind of bland. He basically goes around looking for lost items that he had from being captured at the very beginning of the series. 
Um, uh, but I think the real interest is his interactions with the rest of the Endless. Like, my favourite is death, obviously. Being the depressed motherfucker I am. <laughs> no. Jesus, man. Jesus. What is, a, what is a young black man? A young black Londoner <laughs> got to be depressed about? <laughs> but we'll not go into that. Oh, we'll not go into that, no. Um, like, but yes. Um, but yeah, death is a treat to just view. She's the one who actually, in a few issues later, past the 24-hour diner, she slapped some sense into the Sandman. And tells him to fix his shit because he was feeling depressed about being the Sandman and about his job. So Death was like, you know what? Come along with me for a day. See what it's like for me to do my job. And it just shows how... Well, Neil Gaiman is a genius. And he portrays Death as in she does her job. And she doesn't feel guilty about it. It's inevitable. It's going to happen. It's something that will happen and always has happened before. And it's even stated in the Sandman universe that she will be the last of the Endless as well. She will eventually outlive them all. Because <laughs> she is death. So, yeah, that's, she is my favourite character. Sandman, not as much. I should probably talk more about him since the film is more about him. <laughs> well, I mean, this is the interesting thing, like, when you talk about the, the Endless, because the Endless, the Endless are effectively, you know, <laughs> they are the big daddies of this world. <laughs> and the whole DC universe can't even fathom it at yeah. all. Right, you know what I mean? And I think I like Death because Death, being the most grim of them all, is the most optimistic of them yeah. all. Do you know what I, mean? I think that's one of the greatest things about a character. But yeah. we'll get on to that at another time. So, obviously this is based on Sandman. Yeah. Sandman is known to be a little bit miserable. <laughs> can't we all be? I think a little bit miserable kind of doesn't... It's an understatement. It's a bit of an understatement. He's very miserable. He's like gone from this earth miserable. Yeah. Well, well, he never began in this earth, did he? No, he, he didn't. <laughs> he didn't. But, you know, if you want yeah. to talk about the conception of Sandman, the only man that we can go is Earl Neil Gaiman. Yeah. So, you know. <laughs> but, yes. So, we find ourselves with the 24-hour diner. Yeah. The plot, which is a fantastic plot. I love the, the issue. The issue is just... And it's a story that doesn't really necessarily involve Sandman. Yeah, it's it's really like... He only appears at the end. And then on the next issue, that's when he becomes a main character again. Because uh, up to this point, you learn that the tools he uses to uh, do his job of being the Lord of Dreams, uh, the tools he uses are gone. They've been stolen from him. So he goes and tracks them down. And in the 24 Hours Diner... It's about uh, a bad guy from the Batman universe managing to find the gem that he uses to control the dream world. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and he just fucks about with it in a diner for 24 hours. <laughs> yeah, Dr. D, I believe it was. Yeah, Dr. D. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah, I it, was it was that. Dr. D. What a bastard Batman <laughs> is. And, you know, you only have to spend maybe four hours in his presence before you actually realise it. Um <laughs> But kind of set the scene for us, because it starts off with a diner and the narrator. It's from the perspective of a narrator, yeah, basically, yeah. as is the film. Uh, the film and the book are done for this sort of perspective of, of a narrator telling the story. Yeah. And telling you the stories of everybody in the diner. Mm -hmm. And then you kind of learn that they're all, they've all got their quirks. They've all got their weird things. They've all got things that make them them, effectively. Yeah. But it's only when people start to try and leave the diner the Doctor D decides, well, no. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah, I think the narrator actually states something like, uh, one of the cast is uh, late for a job interview. 
So he's like, oh shit, I need to go. But then he's, but then the narrator says, that's when he decided to strike. <laughs> so he, he'd basically done some magic of some kind and forced him to uh, forget about it and sit down. And so he orders another coffee at this diner. And everyone around them, uh, they don't know what's going on. They think, like, oh, it's just a normal day. Because, like, obviously they can't fathom the power of the Sandman. <laughs> Which is what Dr. D is using. Um, but throughout the journey of the 24-hour diner, you just watch what happens to them, what he does to them. And he ruins them in <laughs> every sense of the word. He... he I think he does a lot more than ruins them, Cameron. <laughs> I think ruining them is a bit of an understatement. I yeah, mean, it starts it... off with gentle ruining. <laughs> like, that's just a sword bait to cleanse the palate. Yeah. Like, it just gets worse. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, Sandman. <laughs> <laughs> so it goes it goes hour by hour. Yeah. Um, the film does that same thing that the book does. So yeah. it goes hour by hour. But I feel that the film does this really, really good thing where it's like, would you be reading a panel of a book yeah, and you might not pay full, complete attention to it. Mm-hmm. The, the, it's just it's so. I think it's so well cast in comparison, like in terms of like how the how how the book is is those characters are made that way, and that book is so well casted in this short film because the narrator or, or there's times it's very Twin Peaks, I think. Yeah, yeah, uh, it feels very Twin Peaks. And when I sat there and I was like, and the narrator, whenever the narrator said something, <laughs> remember when you were watching it with me, I was in stitches because yeah. he just has that really proper 70s grimy narrator voice and I was just sat there like (laughs) right okay I'm feeling this and um because I think I think the closest thing modern day to the 24 hour diner is probably come dine with me (laughs) can you imagine the come dine with me episode with with Dr. D ruining the (laughs) dinner show (laughs) and then the narrator just just absolutely shitting on them while they're doing it, it's oh, <laughs> but yeah, the the whole like concept of the twenty four hour diner that Neil Gaiman made is beautiful, and uh, Evan Henderson and Nicholas Brown did a great job of like bringing that to life. Like comparatively, the plots are exactly the same in the comic and the uh, and the short film, and I think that's a good adaptation. I think that's meant to that's how it should be. <laughs> like I don't think you need to deviate from something like if it's not broken don't try to fix it that's that's why I believe when trying to do an adaptation uh like there were a few issues like artistic changes due to props and the casting some of them didn't look exactly like the characters but that's fine cuz they pulled it off <laughs> yeah i think that was one of the really really interesting things that i realized when i was watching it was when you compare it to the characters in the comic books, most of them are pretty on point. Like yeah. Most of them are very on point. But you get some characters, like the husband and the wife, who just don't seem like they're really taken from the comic book. To yeah. be fair, the husband is huge. Yeah. I don't know who you would cast in that role. <laughs> yeah, in the comic, he's an absolute beast. Yeah. <laughs> and more than one sense of yeah. the word. Like, it, this is the interesting thing I like about it, because when you read the comic, you learn that these people aren't as all... Like mm-hmm. clean white shirts as they like to make it. Yeah. They're not yeah. as innocent as you would think. Yeah. And um how the film captures that as well. Like yeah. in a in an old subtle way, Doctor D's almost like, Oh well, you know, this is how you really are. So we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna just play that game away. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but let, let's talk a bit about the character. So let's talk about the um, the the waitress of the diner. Uh, well, it starts off. The film starts off, and the issue starts off with the uh, waitress of the diner. Uh, she's the average everyday waitress in the seventies, uh, handing out coffees and doing stuff like that day in day out. And it also says uh, she wants to become an author, and so she's writing a novel at the moment about the patrons of the diner. So she's doing that, and for for a moment, it goes to her being the narrator. Where she's actually narrating, saying, uh, oh, this guest here is a nice young girl, she's fine and everything, except she's a lesbian and this is the 70s, we don't like that. <laughs> yeah, it just cuts uh, it with yeah. it. I mean, that's another thing with the Sandman, was that I used to think it was, like, set in the 90s, it's actually set in the 70s. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I, I think Neil Gaiman was way ahead of his time, because he never presented that as an actual bad thing, he presented that as a character saying it's a bad thing. And mm-hmm. I think Neil Gaiman, in every work that he does, is always way ahead of his time. Yeah, I mean, he done American Gods as well, yeah. most recently, and that's that that that's very Sandman esque. Yeah, it, it still challenges <laughs> these sort of social stigmas, like with gay people and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And I and I find that very very interesting with Neil Gaiman because he's very he's very in your face about it. Yeah, but subtly in your face about it. Like you you would you should pick up on it. Yeah, you yeah. know. And that's what happens in this scene. It's like, oh yeah, she's fine, but she's a lesbian. Yeah. <laughs> like, but I, mean? I think Neil Gaiman is the only person who can make you care about such a large cast of people in only one issue of a comic. And that that is just, the way he does it is great. Yeah, because I mean, I think he doesn't neglect the sort of side characters. Yeah, he, yeah. He makes them genuine mm-hmm. and believable because when you've got a comic book like Sandman, you have to relate to the side characters <laughs> because you can't relate <laughs> to the, the the dream lord. You can't relate yeah. to death. Like you can't relate to that stuff. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and that's some one of those really interesting. This is a really human story, but mm-hmm. like with really strong supernatural elements. Yeah. So the, yeah, the waitress is probably the one who's most like the narrator, but kind of taken apart from yeah um, like the power's taken from her mm. <laughs> you could say it's done by dr d but i don't think so i think it was like neil gaiman's choice to do it to take you out of the character's world so that you view it objectively as well and i think it's the it's the only conceivable way i can think of anyway to mm. get so, so so many things happening in this story in such a short amount of time and presenting it like I don't think it would be possible to present a single issue that shows a whole 24 hours in a single diner with so much happening. <laughs> yeah. Because a lot does happen here. Yeah. I mean, it spans over the course of 24 hours, you know? That, I mean, that's the plot yeah. of it, you know what I mean? And it's, yeah. I love the way it has, a, it has a clear start of when things are going mental as well. Yeah. The, the TV show, when it was watching a kid's show with puppets... And it shows the puppet whispering in the guy's ear, as it does in kids' shows. But then the, the guy who, who has the puppet, he looks at the camera and says, Oh, Mr. Puppet says, we're all going to die now. Remember, kids, not across, down. <laughs> That's the way to go. You know, and it's one of those really dark Gaiman things to yeah. do. Like, that would shock a lot of people. <laughs> I mean, that would For that, shock. that shock was needed it shows what because before this the sandman was really light-hearted mm. in every way it was really light-hearted but then this this scene this single issue came along and it shows the dark side of the sandman series it shows that it is a mature series 
with a lot going on. Because <laughs> after that, it just gets worse and worse and worse. <laughs> and then, full stop. <laughs> like, yeah. It's, it's like that. Um, it has a very clear start and a very clear end, and I like that. Yeah. And we'll, as we talk about the characters a little bit more, we'll, we'll talk about the plot as well. Yeah. But, uh, so we've mentioned the lesbian. Yeah, and the waitress. Um, there's the guy who's late for his job interview, but that's like his only feature. <laughs> he doesn't do anything else. Real feature. He's like a Timmy yeah. Jung guy, and the guy who plays him plays him very, very well. Yeah. I think that's always good, you mm-hmm. know, because he seems like the, he seems like the more innocent one. You know, the the character. Literally, the the one when because they, they always like they always refer to her being a lesbian. Yeah, <laughs> and um, they always like really kind of atrociously bully her for mm. it. Apart from the waitress, because the waitress is sort of like more. Like, yeah, she's not really against it. It's just not yeah. her cup of it's tea. Not sort of socially thing. acceptable. Yeah, yeah, and um, but then you have the the couple who come in. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> they're um quite something. Tell us um. About well, you find out through the narration that they're both cheating on each other, <laughs> and they both suspect each other, but they're still together due to, like, society norms, and since they're married, divorce wasn't really, like, accepted between social groups, so they know if they did get divorced, they'd be exempt from their neighbourhood, everyone would, like, like, what's the word I'm thinking of? Uh, look down on them, that's it. <laughs> Uh, and think that they're, like, they shouldn't do that. <laughs> it was the 70s. I didn't live in the 70s, but that's what I know of the 70s. Yeah, I mean, it was it was very deeply frowned upon, as yeah. was a lot of things. Yeah. <laughs> and then we have the truck driver. Oh, yeah. Who's really, really the worst person ever. Oh. Like. The thing is, he starts out with nothing at all. He only just gets worse because of Dr. D's corruptions. Yes. <laughs> oh, I think it's still so unnerving to see him with the hammer. Oh, we'll get to that. <laughs> yeah, that. So the thing is about this is oh. you get some characters who you get little tastes of throughout yeah. the thing. And then there's some characters who you don't. And that's quite mm-hmm. interesting because you, there are characters that you, you do care about. Yeah. But there are characters who you deeply don't really know enough about to care about them and then you realise that that's probably because Neil Gaiman didn't want you to give a fuck about them because <laughs> they were absolute dickheads yeah uh, so that's where we find ourselves yeah so moving on from characters mm-hmm. the plot of the story is that starts off in the diner yeah we've said that yeah starts off in the diner we learn a bit about the characters Dr. D decides I'm gonna play God now yeah because <laughs> it starts off you see him sitting in the corner and the waitress says, oh, he's a loner, and he's only been showing it, and he's only just showed up. He's only ordered a cup of coffee, but he's sitting there watching TV. I'm going to leave him alone. But he's doing this creepy laugh. <laughs> like, this really creepy laugh. Uh, and that I think that's one of the things that is better than the comic book. You can't get that 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 uh, audio. That sinister emotion. Yeah. Displayed. <laughs> like you can show it. But it was very much like how they done um, one of the, the high points of the Batman Killing Joke animation. One yeah. of the highlights, because there was a lot of lows. Yeah. One yeah, of the highlights was. was the I Go Looney yeah. part. 
because mm-hmm. in the comic you read that but when I first read it because The Killing Joke was the first comic book I had ever read oh yeah all the way through I was 14 probably not a good place to start <laughs> but um, it was one of the very first comic books I'd ever watched mm-hmm. uh, watched read if not the first yeah and um, I didn't realise that the I Goldeny part was a song oh. it wasn't until <laughs> I watched it and I was listening to it on repeat for weeks. I just loved it so much. <laughs> just like, I go loony. <laughs> like, it's just wonderful. It was, um, yeah, it was so unnerving because it was in the style of a children's song. Mm. And I think that's what all, like, things that try to be unnerving do. They always, do I mean, look, yeah. 24 Hour Diner, <laughs> like, the, the puppet. Yeah. Show, do you know what I mean? It's yeah. like kid, um, kid shows and stuff like that are always made to be very, very innocent and yeah. very, very like untouchable. And then something like that happens, and you're just sat there like, "Oh what man!" Like, <laughs> this is yeah, because I remember your reaction when that first happened with the puppet thing, because that's when everything started kicking off. Because uh, you saw the guy who was late for the interview uh, go and sit back down and say, "Oh, can I get another coffee?" And you was like, "Okay, this is weird." And then you saw the children's show, and you was like, "What?" Why am I watching? Because <laughs> we watched it. We watched it back at my flat, and um, I just remember sitting there, like you were just like, "Oh, let's watch Twenty Four Hour Diner." I was like, "What the fuck is Twenty Four Hour Diner?" And you were like, "Oh, it's a Sandman thing." I was like, "Oh, brilliant, okay, brilliant, fresh off Lucifer, <laughs> fresh off Lucifer. Give me yeah. some Sandman." And I watched it, and I just sat there, like my eyes, like, my eyes are bleeding, like, but yeah. that's only because. It's just so fucked. Like, yeah, it's so it is. mental. <laughs> I think the 24 hour diner is a good euphemism for uni. Uh, <laughs> it is, though. Like, it is. You yeah. try to leave and then they're like, deadlines. <laughs> Dr. D is deadlines. <laughs> but yes. Um, oh, does that make Sa- the Sandman graduation? He's yes. my boy. He'll get me through. <laughs> but yeah, the plot of the story goes hour by hour. Yeah. So yeah. it's like, on the first hour, and the narrator will say, oh, this is what happened. And then you'll see a few panels about that. Mm-hmm. And then, I think it's about maybe hour six, where everything just decides, no, nope, that's it, fully fucked, yeah. we're gone. Like, that's it. <laughs> I think, uh, what does it start with him doing? Does he make, he makes them love him and worship him, isn't it? Yeah, and he has God, like, painted in yeah. blood on his chest. Yeah. I just sat there like, you're not God, <laughs> you fat fuck. Like, the thing you- is, I do love that about the, the makeup d- department as well and the whole like setting it was so comic yeah. accurate like if you compare <laughs> that scene to the panel in the comic book it's yeah. like literally the the only difference was the actor was a bit like fatter than the than dr d but he's a living skeleton so there's <laughs> there's nothing wrong with that they did do well with the uh trying to get the ribs showing through and i think that actually did look good that was a bit. That was one of the the more grim things because you yeah. could see his ribs, but he obviously had a belly, and I yeah. thought that just doesn't work. Like, <laughs> I think it made it even more unnerving than the comic, and that that because <laughs> well, I mean, one, it was real, yeah, like, and you could see it, and you were like, all right, yeah, <laughs> okay, <laughs> no, like, um, yeah, I think the thing that really set me off though, because we won't talk about every single mm-hmm. plot point in it, because you should see this film. Yeah, it's you need to watch it's it. It's so well done. Yeah. Just as long as you're above the age of 16. At least 16. <laughs> if you want. You know, <laughs> if you want. You live yeah. your life. You live your life. Yeah. I mean, you do you. You do you. you know, depends what you're into. But um, yeah, I think, the, I think the bit that really took me out 
was I think it was I, I think it, I, I can't even remember the hours. I think it was hour thirteen where they get to know each other intimately. Oh yeah, and you just see them like <laughs> you don't see them fucking, but you yeah, know, you see legs and arms and you yeah. see all this stuff moving about. And oh you hear, god, it was just the narrator was great because he just went silent while it was going on. It went hour thirteen. He makes them get to know each other intimately. <laughs> <laughs> Just hearing that through my headphones was the most sexually arousing thing I've ever heard in my life. It's the pause before the word intimately as well. I just wonder what he was so well voice acted, in in my opinion, and I really, really enjoyed that, because he sold it. But after that, then you have this whole thing with, like... I'm trying to think what it was. You have this whole thing... Like, where the waitress is the nice, the nicest character. In it. Yeah. She is. She's, like, really, really innocent. Mm. She's not violent. She just wants a humble life. And then the trucker tells us about her son. That was the bit that got me. Yeah. I was like, no, son, this isn't happening. But then <laughs> it was because of that. And then it shows what is happening to him with the hammer <laughs> and the waitress placing, should I, should I just explain it? Was it not like um, it was because like Cause by like, that hour it was punishing time? Yeah, and somebody had to be punished. Yeah, and they were talking about stuff. And the the truck driver, <laughs> I think his name was Marsh. He says talks about a son. Yeah, because a son moved to. Mm-hmm. I, I can't remember where he moved to, but it was like New York or something. These yeah. details are irrelevant. Like, um, <laughs> but he says, "Oh yeah, like you know, your son was basically a prostitute, and yeah. she couldn't handle that because like, mm-hmm. he was apparently going to chase his dreams and." Yeah, she'd not yeah. heard from him and um, then she realises that this is what's happening and the truck driver literally just looks in the eye and says yeah you could have him for a pack of cigarettes and I did and I was just like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was just like oh my god and I was just like bring the hammer down love just do it yeah. I think you find yourself when you go through it mm-hmm. seeing it's... yourself more like Doctor D because it's like <laughs> It's such an experience to watch. There's that's the only words to describe it. It is an experience to watch it because a lot of Neil, everything done by Neil Gaiman is an experience. <laughs> yes. Like even from because uh, he he actually wrote the original book of Coraline. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Because yeah, that, oh, don't even get me started. The book over. is an experience. The film is like scary in its own right. I but think the I, book... I think the film's good. <laughs> I just think that it doesn't I, stand I up. Yeah, I mean, if you compare it to the book, the book would absolutely... The film literally unsettles me. Yeah. I've had this conversation before. It doesn't scare me, it unsettles me, yeah. which is worse. Like, because I'm just sitting there like, oh my God, I'm so creeped out. Like, don't put buttons in my eyes. Yeah. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, it's that kind of thing. And Neil Gaiman just has this incredible ability to take any story. Someone could literally throw shit on his desk and he would turn that into gold. Like, it just... <laughs> I've, I've personally never read or seen anything Neil Gaiman's done that's been bad. Yeah. And even if you put that into context, so if you put it into the TV show of Lucifer, mm-hmm. you know, on Fox every Monday, or Amazon Prime <laughs> on Tuesday, uh, but a shameless promotion there for my boy. Um, yeah. But even that still comes under Neil Gaiman's banner, even mm-hmm. though it's a complete rework of yeah. the comic book and stuff like that. Because he came up with the original idea. And I do love the the like the TV series. I love it in its own way, but I also love the original comic book as well because the original comic book is more in the vein of Sandman. Yeah, it lives in Sandman's world. Yeah, and you can't get away from that. Whereas yeah. the TV show made itself a more grounded pace mm-hmm. with supernatural elements, not a supernatural show with 
grounded elements. Yeah. But we, we discussed this as well <laughs> because we were sat there like, oh, well, you know, this is just a cop show now. And then, bang, supernatural stuff in. Just, yeah. just in case you were getting a bit worried <laughs> that we forgot what kind of show this was, which is why I love it. Mm-hmm. I just love everything about it. But again, another another podcast for another time. Yeah. Um. So yeah, back to the twenty four hour diner. So by the, I think it's the from I think between hours eighteen, no, between hours twenty and twenty four. That's when they all start getting systematically. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. They'll get systematically killed off. Like, I think uh, spoilers. The first one, the first one was the punishment one with the truck driver talking to the bar, the diner lady. Uh, and if then, you can call that a conversation, yeah. It, <laughs> <laughs> My God, it's no. not exactly a conversation. You have, oh, do you want to know what's happening with your son? Well, I fucked him. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, it's do you just... know how it started? She said, hashtag roast me. <laughs> Like Jimmy Carr and Richard, uh, Jimmy Carr and Russell Brand, yeah, and Catherine Ryan just sat there like, let the roast begin. Like, it was just, it was so bad. I feel bad laughing about it because you know that story is yeah. like such a real story. Yeah, and Neil Gaiman, like, I, I do love that he makes everything seem real because because it usually is real to some extent. You know, no, like, but like think of American Gods and the Sandman series. None of it is fucking real. But he makes it seem real. <laughs> yeah, especially American Gods. Like yeah, he he could he sold that. Yeah, as being like that, so that was, in the real world. You know? Yeah, <laughs> and it just has this great way of merging supernatural with. I mean, and that's what makes it mm-hmm. scary. You know, I mean, you can go out and watch any horror film you like, yeah. and you won't be scared of it because it's just the same. Yeah. Neil Gaiman has this thing where he unsettles you, mm-hmm. he makes you uncomfortable, and then. There's a little bit of horror, but he doesn't rely on the horror so much. He relies on the actual emotional, yeah, despair that he instills on yeah. those stories, and I think that's what makes him so successful at it. Mm-hmm. It's because he he has a great way of raising the stakes. Because <laughs> like when the when the stakes have been raised too high, a lot of people just just go, "Oh, let's raise it higher." How about the world's gonna end if you don't do this? Neil Gaiman takes it in the opposite direction by making the stakes smaller. But making how the character feels about the stakes higher. Yeah, it's more personal. Yeah. You know, and you if you relate with that character, you go, Oh mm. my god, like, you know, <laughs> that, that could be me. Yeah. And it just gets under your skin a bit, and that's what Neil Gaiman does so well, yeah. like, in my yeah. opinion. And um it does it's just so beautifully crafted in this, this yeah. story, even though it's quite a tragic story, but it's still beautifully crafted. Yeah. Uh, the next part he does to start killing people off, I think, was uh, unleashing the beast. <laughs> was that the scene? Is that the one? That's the one where he gets the bigger yeah. guy <laughs> against the younger guy, and I was yeah. just sat there like, well, that wee cunt's got no chance. Yeah, because <laughs> I do love that about the film, because the film makes it seem like he could have a chance, but in the comic, once you see the size of the big guy... <laughs> yeah, there's no chance. There's You're no gone. chance. Yeah. <laughs> I think it makes it even more brutal in the in the TV and uh, no in the short film mm-hmm. because it it seems more realistic in that short film. I do know like Neil Gaiman does make it seem realistic, but it feels even more realistic with their size being more similar. Mm-hmm. And that it like it really got to me when I saw it because <laughs> when I first saw it, I was like, "Whoa, whoa, wait." <laughs> Wait, wait, I never signed wait, up for this. Yeah. I, I just wanted to go for my job interview, man. Like, <laughs> yeah, it was... Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, 
yeah. as you've gathered, this is a very spoilery review. Mm-hmm. But you should still watch the film itself yeah. because we can emulate the actual words can't describe words can't actually describe how this <laughs> film is, and I think it's wonderful. I think it's one yeah. of the, one of the best short films I've ever seen. I think one thing they really did great was the one change they had from the comic, the animated segment. Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. There's a section <laughs> just for that. Just for that. Um, but yes, so by the end of it, yeah, our boy comes in. Yes, he does. Our boy comes in, <laughs> sorts the whole mess out. Well, by well, sorts it out, like, there's nothing to sort out. Everybody's no. dead. Yeah, like, he just <laughs> looks at, at, like, Dr. D, and he's like, mate. <laughs> <laughs> just, mate. Mate. <laughs> Yeah, and it ends there. But that's... It's it's so great. I don't think they could have possibly done the next issue. Because the next issue is a full-fledged dream fight between the two. And it's just... <laughs> it's so out of the world. It's so wacky that I don't understand how Neil Gaiman's brain works. <laughs> yeah, I think that's sort of how that is. Um, but yeah, that, that's where the film yeah. ends. So by the end of the film... yeah. By the end of it, I was sort of like, oh, because I, I, I remember we were getting to the end of it, and I was so fucking fed up of Dr. D that I just says, please tell me Sandman kicks his gun down. <laughs> just please tell me that it happens. Like, just, you're so yeah. ready for Sandman to fucking kill him. Like, and the film just ends. Yeah. But onto the subject that you most want to talk about, props and costumes. Yeah, props and costumes. Props to the costume department on this, and the makeup yeah. department, because... You had it. You nailed it. Like <laughs> they had it on point. It was it was perfect. There's there's no other depiction. I don't know who the actor was to who played Sandman, but he looked like Sandman with the makeup and the costume. It was oh, it was brilliant. <laughs> it was like when he walks in. Oh God, <laughs> my heart. Oh, there are. No words to describe how perfect it is. It is, it is perfect. There's, that's it. I'll just confirm this for you now. The actor who played Morpheus Ooh. or Sandman was a man called Ben Fever. Okay, can I have his phone number to call to make a short film? <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think I'm that you know well rooted, but I, I'll, oh. I'll look into it for you. <laughs> but. Yeah, like in terms of costumes for all the the sort of the, the characters in this, and even mm. how they done Doctor D, yeah, how they gradually put these characters through the ringer, yeah, like the, it was just it was <laughs> so fantastic. Like, even was, to the diner itself, it was very seventies. Yeah, the set designers. Yeah, they they, they even done like proper details. Like the television was a seventies television. The only thing is, it was it was in like full color. HD, but that wasn't really an issue <laughs> for me. Yeah, I mean, like these things, like these things, don't really bother me as such. <laughs> I mean, they're there to be convenient to the viewer. And yeah. Usually, when you make a project, you want to try and keep it as set in time as it can be. But sometimes, like that, those little things, like you will get some asshole who will just sit there and be like, "Oh well, you know, like you know that you know, in the seventies <laughs> there was no such thing as a TV like that." And I was just like, "Well, do you know what? Go fuck yourself." Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, make films yourself. Do you know what I mean? And some people do and still complain about it. It just depends what kind of artistic route you want to go with it. Yeah. I think that's always what's important. Yeah. And the artistic route they went with this was just like. If it's no broke, we're no fixing it. We'll just keep it how it is. <laughs> yeah, it but, was great. I honestly think if you could take screenshots 
from the movie, you could replace the panels of the comic with those screenshots. That's how good the visual aesthetic was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and that is the highest compliment you can give for a comic book adaptation. Like, you could say the same for Batman v Superman. The visuals were good. No one can dispute that. The visuals were good. The story itself... <laughs> well, could have done with work. Yeah. But I think it's like... Oh, I it think was... The, the, like, this is the thing, like, with any Marvel and DC films, they're not really adaptions of books. Yeah. This was an honest adaption of a single issue book that takes yeah. me 15 minutes to read, yet they made it go for 30 minutes and still made me feel like I was invested. Yeah. Made me feel like I was part of what was happening and everything. You know, you were still watching it going, this is visually pleasing. It's visually stunning. And I was just sitting there like, yes, this is it. <laughs> yeah. it it's such an honest adaptation. And yeah, there's a few things that were changed for mm-hmm. convenience and for things like that. Yeah. But as far as I'm concerned, if you look at it panel for panel, yeah. it was literally shot for shot. <laughs> I honestly think, if you even if you haven't see, read the Sandman comics, this would be a good place to start, even though it is issue six that it's based on. It's a good way to start to get a feel of the entire series. That's how good this adaptation is. It gives you a feel of the entire series and what's going to happen, how wacky and dark it gets. Yeah, you know, if I hadn't watched, if I hadn't read Sandman before, Mm. that film would have made me go read it. Like, (laughs) it's just, it sets up that whole scene wonderfully. And I just think that how it's all done, how the the malice and the menace that surrounds that whole film is always really, really interesting. I mean... I would have loved to have been part of the, the, the people that made it. Yeah. But yeah. I would have just been sitting there going home every night going, oh my God, like, this is too much for me to handle. The thing is, though, if I made it, because because I would have made it, I don't think I would have been proud of it because I was part of the production team. It's one of those things. When you're part of the production team, you're not as proud of it as if a fan watched it and they're like, oh my God, this is so good. So even to the people who made it, uh, they might feel like I. I definitely would have been proud. Well, hopefully, would have probably not. <laughs> I probably would have been like, "Oh no, it's not the same. What we do here? It's not what we do here." <laughs> yeah, but watching it, it's great. <laughs> yeah, watching it is fantastic. Yeah. So, how would you compare it for the film of the book? Uh, a comparison. Uh, since it's almost one to one, I say yeah. <laughs> it's like. Uh, in ranking, I think they're even, but mainly because they, they make use of their own merits. Neil Gaiman has a great way of making use of comic books and the limitations that comic books have. Whereas the short film, it made good use of the, of like the advancements that a short film could have because they had great audio design and they had great visual aesthetics as well, (laughs) which is like, that could be seen as a step up. But in Neil Gaiman's work, he has this great way with words as well, not just images. <laughs> I'm sure uh, the narrator in the uh, 24-hour diner comic book issue, he had um, a few like puns that could only be read. Like a few words that are spelt differently, but sound the same. <laughs> which, um, which can only be done in that format and not in a short film format. But because they took advantage of both of their mediums, 
it, they're both on the same level. That's my feeling, and that's that's the best review I could ever give an adaptation. If it's on the same level as the original, there's there's nothing wrong. <laughs> yeah, and I think that like answers the next question that we're going on, and like, how does this hold up as a film? And it just does. Yeah, because it's such good source material. <laughs> I had people who are willing to take the source material and show that this is good enough. Mm. We don't have to change it. We can keep it as close to it as possible, and yeah. people will still love it. And I personally loved it. Yeah, I sat there. I sat there and watched it and gone, "Why is the guy playing Sandman not in Lucifer?" Like, do you know what I mean? Like, that's all I want. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, everything with me comes back to Lucifer now because oh, I love it. <laughs> I love him. I love him. Can't get enough of him. Love him. <laughs> well, technically there's still a chance since he could travel between the multiverse <laughs> can't wait yeah I think ultimately this film serves as proof that you know when you want to do an adaption and as I was saying earlier like you know these things weren't like Batman vs Superman and Civil War and stuff like that aren't actual really adaptions of stories. Yeah. They're like sort of they have alternative their... versions yeah. of these stories. <laughs> uh, you could call them spin-off versions, mm-hmm. do you know what I mean? And I think that's the thing that's quite interesting because a lot of people say to me, going, oh well, you know, the Civil War comic book is much better than the Civil War film. Yeah, because if you try to make the Civil War film into a... F- the Civil War comic into a film, you would be there in the cinema for four hours. <laughs> like, it was so deep yeah. and intense. And the thing is, it's hard for any comic book series of films to introduce all the necessary characters into these things. You know, yeah, Infinity yeah. War is missing a few characters, I'm sure. Obviously. Like, and everybody's sitting there going, oh my God, it's going to be like so stuffed with characters like mm-hmm. and stuff like that and it's true it will be that will be an issue with it yeah. but you know what in the time it came I'm happy they've incorporated Black Panther mm-hmm. I'm happy they've brought these characters in here it's going to be wonderful and you know Black Panther amazing film do you yeah. know what I mean it, to me it was an amazing film a great adaptation of what it had to be yeah things could have been better but it wasn't it still wasn't an honest adaption mm-hmm. of the comic book and I think this is the only real thing I've seen that is a genuine adaptation yeah of comic book. do you know somebody turned around and said to me oh yeah Keanu Reeves Constantine is the most um, accurate depiction of that on screen and I was like go get <laughs> fucked like <laughs> I was like go get <laughs> fucked like, I guess like a personality wise it was it was it was it was as close as you're gonna get personality wise as in the, the angst <laughs> of Constantine uh, Gabriel was was on point, but that's that's the only good thing I could say <laughs> about that film. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Like, and do you know, I watched the original Constantine film with Keanu Reeves. I do like it. Yeah, it's just one of those things you can't <laughs> not like, like it. It's yeah. just one of those enjoyable films. It's good, but like, the it's, cons- not yeah. it's not quite Carling. Yeah, it's not quite Carling. Um, and I just I just enjoy I, I yeah. enjoy all these things and you know like here at, like in Glaswegian Geeks we review, we made a habit of reviewing a lot of bad films. This oh. is actually one of the better <laughs> films that we've reviewed. And um, you you know that's the sort of interesting thing when you talk about bad films. A lot of people don't actually understand why they're completely bad. Yeah, you know, and that's always a good thing to talk about. So we we spoke about like you know I think our very first podcast this will shock you was Captain America that was made in nineteen seventy nine. Oh, is that the one where he steals the car? Is that the one he I'm has the motorbike? Of? And he's yeah. got and Christopher Lee's the villain in the second part. Yeah, yeah that, that, <laughs> genius. <laughs> I just I just remember that one specific scene where he steals the car because it's so funny. 
and the he's fact- just like, oh, look at that cliff. <laughs> and he turns around and runs to the <laughs> Genius stuff. And, and we, we me and Mario sat there and we were just like, if you want a good thing about this film, it's funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Because you can't take it seriously. I think my favourite one was in part two, some callbacks here, but it was like, we named the show after that this line. And it was like, and the, the Christopher Lee's bodyguard comes out and he says, where are you? And he's like, oh, because you know in part two it was about a virus that was ageing people. Yeah. And um, <laughs> it's the bit when Captain America, no, doesn't shy away from it, just turns and says, he died of old age waiting for you. <laughs> <laughs> it's just... It's like it's just as good as you know. Have you ever seen the Japanese Spider Man? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just madness. Yeah, but when you compare it to something like this, this shows you know the the twenty four hour diner short film shows that you can have an accurate yeah representation of a comic book yeah and make it flawless, almost mm-hmm. flawless. It was almost flawless to me. I wasn't sitting there waiting for action. I was sitting there watching this dark yeah. story unfold, and it did what it set out to do. Yeah. It was proper. I thought it was rigorous. It was fine. Aggie, five stars for me, really. Yeah. <laughs> it's that It's that good, I think. It's that good, yeah. And plus, it helps that the source material is good. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Like, that's the thing. It's like, as you say, if the source material is good, why would you change it? Yeah. Like, do you know what I mean? It's good, and you know, well-known for reasons. It's, it's the whole Batman <laughs> killing joke thing. Yeah. When they added that whole first half hour that, in it, and it yeah, was just that, like, why that, is that there? That made me feel so, like, it made me it made me feel weird watching it. <laughs> that is the only word. Just weird, because it should never happen. <laughs> yeah. It was one of those things, because we, we said that we were actively like, they've put this in this just so people feel sorry for Barbara when yeah. she gets shot. But, you know... That's if anything, there was probably other ways to do it. Yeah, if anything, I think they should have brought in like Robin or Nightwing to take Batman's place in that relationship because that was not right. That was not <laughs> that right. Was no. not right. Um, but you know, again, another story for another time. Yeah. So there's some. I found, I've dug up some facts for you, Cameron. Oh, facts! Mario likes to play the numbers game where he always he always sits at me at the end of the show and says, "Guess the budget." <laughs> now I can assure you that this wasn't actually I don't think this was a student film as such I think it was just a fan film okay. of people who were sort of out of student life and they were doing their own thing I don't know them but, okay. um, so the film was made in Canada Yeah. and the running time was 30 minutes Yeah. how much of a budget did you think that they made over 3 years to make this film so they, they started budgeting it in 2012. Mm-hmm. They filmed it in 2015 into 2016. Yeah. How much budget did they raise and spend on this film? This masterpiece. Oh. Uh, well, I know a lot of companies film in Canada because uh, finding locations is apparently cheaper there. I'm not 100% sure on that myself, but apparently that's true. Um, but because of the high quality of the props and how much time must have gone into the editing and stuff plus they had an animation segment so that must have increased the budget uh i'm guessing something like 30 grand over three years no you get another go it's higher it's higher i'm generous mario doesn't tell me higher or lower sometimes okay it's higher uh let's let's go I i think it was a reasonable budget uh considering they made a third of a short film on this budget yeah, you know it was, uh, you know, it was pretty decent. 
Uh, let's go 70 grand. Lower? Lower. <laughs> Lower. One more chance. Oh, uh, 50 grand. No. No. The actual budget was $65,000. Oh. $65,000 that they raised to make this film. Yeah. And they, they crowdfunded it, and mm-hmm. so there was obviously, you know, a call yeah. for it. Um, and when they put it up, they put it up for free, and there was no chance of monetization from it. Yeah. So they, they put it up purely because they made it. Yeah. And did you know that it was actually adapted as a proof-of-concept television series? Why didn't it get greenlit? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe because there wasn't enough people watching it. And you know what I mean? Like, this kind of thing, to sign off on it, this kind of thing would only appeal to a certain audience, Mm -hmm. you know? It certainly appealed to me, and it appeals to you, and it would appeal to loads of people that I know. Yeah. But a lot of people don't know who Sandman is. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I think that's why they marketed it as the the 24-hour diner and not the Sandman 24-hour diner. Like, I think that was one of the interesting ploys that they tried to play on it. Mm -hmm. But I I think this could have went so much further. Yeah. Because uh, I think it it might still have a chance with, like, Neil Gaiman's work becoming more popular, with American Gods becoming a TV series, and the Lucifer TV series as well, obviously based on Neil Gaiman's work. Constantine was... I think he was originally uh, characterised by Neil Gaiman in The Swamp Thing. I'm sure he wrote that. (laughs) But yeah, even Constantine appearing on a lot of the... Uh, CW DC works and his own series on Hulu <laughs> so maybe there's a chance that it will come back I'm hoping anyway <laughs> yeah I think especially when you talk I, I mean it's about time to be honest Neil yeah. Diamond's always been one of at the forefront of um, you know writing these incredible stories and yeah. bringing them to life and you know absolutely mortifying you with them <laughs> and I think that's one of the things that all, that Neil Gaiman will always be remembered for and I think all of his work that he does is so true to what he wanted to do Yeah. and I think that's why I really really appreciate his work and this you know 24 hour diner short film yeah go watch it because it's just (laughs) watch you can have the comic with you yeah and you can literally go yep that's the part i'm at yep yep Mm -hmm. and you would just see it it's just i'm so astounded at something that's so right and neil gaiman actually has another thing in the works that i've seen on his official tumblr uh, I can't remember the name of it, but what I'm excited whoa, 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 for. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm excited for. Yes. Tumblr. Neil Gaiman has Tumblr. It should be obvious. It's Neil Gaiman. <laughs> yes. Okay. I also have Tumblr as the London loser myself. <laughs> nah, th- what, was, what was the last thing I used Tumblr for? Oh, yes, pornography. Because <laughs> that's all it's good for. Like, never in my life. Like, oh, um, you just don't have enough angst. <laughs> I'm not a teenager anymore. I'm not emotional. <laughs> like, yeah, but uh, he posted that he's got something in the works. Uh, I forgot he did say the title of it, but David Tennant is also in it. That he he has a role. Uh, I can't remember exactly what it is. I think David Tennant plays the villain, but it's it's based on his new book that came out recently. That's that's as much as I can remember. <laughs> that's as much as I'm at, at liberty to liberate right now. Uh, you know, me and Neil, we go for coffees, and I can't really say much about it, but, you know, keep your eye open for it, it'll be good. You'll enjoy it, it'll oh, be alright. if right. only, if only. Imagine having coffee with Neil Gaiman. How'd you like your, how'd you like your coffee, Neil? Dark. <laughs> I'm imagining, like, Neil Gaiman having a house, like, in the Doctor Strange movie. 
<laughs> like the house of mystery. Yeah. Like his house. He invented the house of mystery. Maybe it's based on his house. <laughs> it's just that like, you go in and you can't find a thing because the house just keeps changing. Like Yeah. One of my favourite issues of the Sandman was when he's going around the dream world and he comes across that the house of mystery. Guess who's living there? Cain and Abel. <laughs> Okay, we'll give you this last story because this is just wonderful, right? Yeah. This is just one of those ones. And uh, it relates to recent Lucifer yeah. episodes, which may actually... <laughs> so this is the Cain and Abel that the Lucifer TV show. They're based on, but they're not at the same time, like Lucifer. Because in this, the Cain and Abel, Cain kills Abel 24-7. <laughs> but Abel just comes back all the time. <laughs> 24-7. 24-7, yeah. Because... It's his uh, favourite hobby. Yeah. <laughs> Kane is portrayed as an arsehole, being like loud and rude and hating Abel. And Abel is portrayed as a timid, wimpy kid who's annoying as fuck. <laughs> uh, but it's so great seeing them interact with the Sandman, who's such a serious character. <laughs> and once the Sandman leaves the House of Mystery, Kane also walks out of the house. And Abel's like, oh, you're not going to blow me up again, are you? I hope you're not going to do that. <laughs> He's like, no, sure. And he, as he walks away, the house blows up with Abel inside. <laughs> and it's, it's this blend throughout the whole Sandman series of comedy and seriousness. Cause... <laughs> the first thing you ever told me that story, I started crying. And I'm doing it again. I don't know why I find it so funny. It's just because, like, Sandman does have that that whole darkness, yeah. but that comedy, and it just merges into one, and you just don't know what to think, yeah. really. And to be fair, you know, like, you know, yeah, you can only imagine how Kane feels having to kill Abel twenty four seven. Like Sandman is one of the series that I'd recommend to anyone who loves all of DC because he literally travels throughout all of the DC universes. He is the universe that yeah. gulps all. <laughs> Lovely wee reference in there, we won't go into yeah. that. Uh, but like from issues at the very beginning when he crossovers with Constantine to issues later on when he actually goes to the Justice League headquarters and apparently Martian Manhunter tells us that he was the god that was worshipped on Mars. <laughs> Morpheus, the god of dreams, because they're psychic, they believe that the god of dreams was him. <laughs> So there's an interesting fact, but yeah, it goes throughout all of them. You learn more about Batman, such as Dr. D is the Batman villain. Um, you actually see the inside and what goes on inside Arkham Asylum from just before the 24 hours, which I find is interesting as well. Mm. <laughs> uh, but yeah, for anyone who loves the DC Universe, this is a must read. <laughs> it's a must read, a must watch. Yeah. Watch the 24 hour day now. Yeah. Is- absolutely wonderful we will put the link with this podcast oh please do <laughs> and you know we'll be watching it again and you can watch it again with us let us know what you think of it rate review and subscribe say goodbye to cameron i'm sure he'll be back <laughs> hopefully multiple times he was fantastic <laughs> and i've been james lovely to be with you again and we'll see you very soon bye, bye.